0: for the latest internet sensation. I don't even think I have to react to that. Can you go, mate? We are...
1: Seb Costello looks a bit like the Monopoly Man. I saw Seb, Seb. and he ain't in an upright position, I can tell you
2: that. What does he do?
3: Can I say hi?
1: Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Hi! Weekend Breakfast with Seb
0: Costello
2: on Triple M. Triple M. This is Triple M's Weekend Breakfast. Get around yourselves, Melbourne. Everything you need to know to start the weekend is coming at you, and there's a fair bit to talk about. bit of underbelly around today. We wake up to see that two of Mick Gatto's properties have been raided. We'll talk about that. Also, a man with a knife has barricaded himself inside the Burke Street Target overnight. He's been coaxed out after some negotiation with the Critical Incident Response Team for Victoria Police, but strange situation there. We'll have to look at that a bit later too, but first... The Zika virus has come to Victoria. Here's Health Minister Jill Hennessy.
3: A Victorian woman has been diagnosed this week with Zika virus after recently returning from a country where Zika virus is prevalent. This woman is pregnant. Her health and well-being uh, is an absolute priority for us.
2: Joining us now is Professor Sharon Lewin, the Director of the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity. Thanks for joining us, Sharon. And before we begin, I just want to know, is there a risk for the rest of us as a result of this woman being diagnosed?
4: No risk at all.
2: That's good to hear. Yeah,
4: I think the the most important thing is that Zika virus isn't 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 transferred from person to person. You need the mosquito to transfer the virus.
2: So she would have to somehow come into contact with a mosquito and that's quite unlikely? Is that sort of the scenario that would play out?
4: Well, she would have to come in contact with a special type of mosquito, which we actually don't even have in Victoria, um, and then that mosquito would need to bite her and then bite someone else. So just, when we, when people would have heard about, say, Ebola cases, We were, we, we approach that very differently because infections like Ebola or severe flu or SARS uh, can be transferred from person to person. Zika virus is is quite different and you need the mosquito. We don't have that mosquito
2: here in Victoria. Well, that's a relief. Uh, So just tell us about the virus because it has been everywhere, partly I guess because Brazil has been seen as a centre for it and, of course, the Olympics are going to go on there later in the year. What do we know about Zika virus?
4: So Zika virus is transferred from people... To mosquito and then from the mosquito to another person. It usually causes a very mild illness, a bit of fever, rash, joint pain, lasts about a week and um, and person remains completely well. It's been quite rare until recently. We've known about it since the 1940s and there's been sporadic outbreaks and then occasional cases diagnosed here in Australia. What's different now about Zika virus is the number of people that are infected in a new part of the world which is in the the americas largely around brazil being most severely affected i think what's caused the real concern and it is a concern is this potential and 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 looking increasingly more likely linked to um to defects in in babies babies being born with small brains and that's what's causing the great alarm at the moment
2: and, of course, this woman who has been diagnosed in Victoria is pregnant, so thoughts with her. and sure she'll get the best of medical care. How rock-solid is that link between this condition that appears to reduce the size of babies' heads if their mother has been infected?
4: Well, we're learning more and more about this each day. Um, the, the, what we've learnt so far is um, that there's been increasing reports of this condition, it's called microcephaly, from one part of Brazil over... 2015, um, quite, you know, about 30-fold increase. So, And at the same time, there's been this outbreak of Zika virus. And so the, 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 the challenge now is to link the two. How tightly linked are they? And how could Zika virus cause damage in the baby? Just last week or a couple of days ago, there was a report in a very well-known journal, the New England Journal of Medicine, which went into great detail about a pregnant um, woman who acquired Zika virus and returned to Europe, and um, the baby was uh, shown to have the microcephaly. Um, and an intense examination of the baby showed Zika virus in the brain. So we're getting more and more understanding of the link. Still loads of questions to ask. If a pregnant woman gets infected, you know, how commonly is it transmitted to the baby? If it is transmitted to the baby, how commonly does that cause disease? And when does that happen in the pregnancy? We don't know the answers to those questions yet. But a lot of work now is going on to understand this link better.
2: Well, we've answered one good question this morning, and that is there is no need to panic given that we don't have the mosquito that causes a spread of this virus in Victoria. Professor, Professor Sharon Lewin, the Director of the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. It's a terrific organisation too. A partnership between the Royal Melbourne and also Melbourne University. There you go. Calm down. Still makes me wonder though. Do we need to just increase some of the border controls? I remember when people were coming back from you know working in the Ebola infected areas. There was a bit of unease with the fact that these people were allowed to come back in and potentially put other individuals at risk. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide
0: world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation,
2: the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the weekend breakfasts, glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? They certainly do. Our chance to highlight sports that don't get enough mainstream media attention And Jeremy Howe of Collingwood put Frisbee front and centre this week. He says he broke his finger playing with the dog. The missus was there too. No doubt he tried to take a massive hanger over her, as is his way when he gets down there in the forward line. Anyway, being the inquisitive reporter that I am, I thought I'd drill down a little further into this. Ultimate is the elite frisbee game. It's kind of like a mix between netball and gridiron. There's two end zones, and if you get the frisbee into the end zone, that's how your team scores. A man to tell me far more about it, though, is Ewan Weimar because he is from the Ultimate Frisbee Australia organisation. Morning, Ewan. Morning, Seb. How are you? Mate, exceptional. Let's start with the most important thing. For all of us novices who haven't played elites and might just get the frisbee out at the beach of a summer, what is the best technique? to actually throw a Frisbee accurately Ooh. and at speed?
1: Oh, the best technique. Um, that's a really interesting one. There's actually lots of different ways you can throw uh, a Frisbee or a disc. Um, I'd say if you wanted to go a long way and fast, though, probably one of the things you could do is tilt the outside edge of the disc down because disc normally rotates in a certain, or it does rotate in a certain direction. And if you tilt the outside edge down, it'll uh, give you a bit more, like if you're throwing a backhand, it'll give you right to left and enable you to put more more oomph onto it. Um, And kind of same on the other side. If you're throwing a forehand, because you can throw it Mm -hmm. either side, um, it'll let you just put more power into it.
2: I like it, mate. This is like getting jump shot tips from LeBron James right here. This is the man from the Ultimate telling us how to throw a Frisbee. So let's go through the basic rules. I mentioned it's a bit like netball in that you can't run with the Frisbee and there's end zones. How does it actually work? How long do we play for? How many players, etc.?
1: Yeah, so a uh, an official game probably go for 100 minutes. Yeah. Um, and the way play is started is two teams of uh, seven start on their response their own respective end zone line, and then one team will throw the disc to the other team. They'll catch it or pick it up and start throwing it to their teammates, who, as you say, can't run with it, to move it up the field. You can throw it in any direction, Um, so if you can't go forward, you can go back and then go forward. Um, And, yeah, you score a point by catching it in the far end zone. And then if the other team is trying to intercept it or knock it away or force you to throw it out of bounds, and if any of those things happen, it's a turnover, and they can pick it up and run uh, and go in the other direction straight away. I like it,
2: mate, and hope when you get in the end zone, that's when the pyro goes off, the cheerleaders come out, and we get a little bit of a dance Cam Newton style from the NFL. Mate, most importantly, can you represent Australia at this?
1: You can definitely represent Australia. There are a number of teams who are training just now. For oh, good. The, um, so the
2: Wallabies are the rugby team. What's the Australian men's frisbee team called?
1: Yeah, the Australian men's frisbee team is called the Dingo. I like it. Uh, and the women's is called the Firetails. And there's also a mixed team. They're called the Barramundis.
2: Right. <laughs> I like it. Make sure the whole spectrum of uh, Australian native wildlife is included. I yeah. appreciate your time you and Weimar, and uh, all the best for the Australian Frisbee or Ultimate team. Yeah, thanks very much, Dad. Get on it. Ultimate Australia is how they do it. Get behind the Barramundis. It is your national duty to get out there and support them. Everything sneakers and everything NBA that you need to know, you need to get on Starting 5 Online, which is his website. He joins us now from Toronto, if you don't mind, where the NBA All-Star Weekend is happening. Basketball journalist Nick Medellinos, good morning.
5: Good morning, Seb. Uh, you know, checking in from a very cold Toronto unfortunately. <laughs>
2: Mate, I am not going to have any sympathy for you because you're about to sit through the NBA All Star Weekend, and I understand there's a lot of discussion about one man who won't make it back to the All Star Game.
5: Yeah, certainly the the uh, you know the man of the moment, Kobe Bryant. It's his last All Star game. Um, I was at the the media availability for the players today, and, and and a lot of the guys that I had a chance to speak to. Um, you know, spoke very highly of Kobe, um, you know, Chris Paul mentioned that, um, you know, we're not really appreciating that it is his last All-Star game, um, he said it hasn't really sort of sunk in for everyone, um, which I found hard to believe, considering there's about 400 media guys just waiting around Kobe's table, waiting <laughs> for him to come out and, and have a bit of a chat, um, you know, Paul George spoke very highly of, of Kobe when I spoke with him, and um, you know, everyone just had great things to say. Anthony Davis mentioned that he was like a, a father figure and a mentor for him, you know, in the league. So it's, it's the Kobe farewell tour, and everyone's really, um, you know, taken a part of that now.
2: So the All-Star weekend, it rolls over a number of days. They do it really well, the NBA. There's the big All-Star game. There's the dunk contest, the three-point shootout. But they've also, I understand, made an announcement in regards to the finalists for the Hall of Fame for this year and one of Kobe's old mates is in amongst the names that have been on it? Yes, certainly. Shaq
5: got um, nominated this year for the Hall of Fame, along with Alan Iverson and uh, former Phoenix Suns point guard Kevin Johnson as well. The interesting thing about Shaq is uh, the previous rules for the Hall of Fame required a player to be, reco- to be retired for five full seasons before they could be up for nomination. It's been amended. It's now four full seasons. And that's why Shaq got nominated this year. I mean, everyone that saw him play, you know, growing up or, you know, in the early 2000s knows what kind of player was he was and how dominant he was. So he was always going to be a surefire uh, first ballot Hall of Famer as soon as he was eligible. And thanks to the rule change, it's, uh, it's happened one
2: year early. Controversial for some, I'm sure. AI, I mean, was probably the one of the best players to never win an NBA championship. But, you know, it was very much his own man, wasn't he?
5: Yeah, and and it was proved today as well um, when everyone else was wearing, you know, suits and ties and button-up shirts and Alan Iverson was there in a T-shirt and baggy jeans (laughs) and a New York Yankees fitted hat. (laughs) he, He remains his own man to this very day. You know, I'm not actually... I can't wait for the actual induction because I'm very curious to see what he's actually going to win to that.
2: Oh, mate, unbelievable. Now, uh, one of the events to kick off tonight, and I do like this one, The they do an NBA All-Star Celebrity game, uh, and I understand uh, there's a sort of US versus Canada scenario. What celebs are involved in this basketball match over in Toronto? It, it's
5: uh, it's yeah, it is a Team USA versus a Team Canada uh, scenario this time around. Being coached by... Uh, Kevin Hart is coaching the, um, the U.S. team and rapper Drake is coaching the, the Canadian team. There's quite a few ex-players. Uh, Tracy McGrady is playing. Uh, Rick Fox is playing. Chauncey Billups has recently had his number retired uh, by the Detroit Pistons. He's playing tonight as well. Um, comedian Jason, I can't pronounce his last name, Sid Dyker, oh, yeah. I got that right. <laughs> I, know he's, I know he's definitely playing tonight as well. That's always fun. Um, you know, I think Kevin Hart had won the last, three um, celebrity game MVPs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Won't get a chance to go for number four since he's coaching, But I'm sure he's going to provide plenty of laughs uh,
2: as head coach. Yeah, well, mate, I'm sure he'll be a bit fatigued. He was over here just this week promoting Ride Along Two with Ice Cube, so you know I hope he hasn't gone too hard at you know the spice market or something here in Melbourne, which should put him out of whack for the (laughs) NBA All Star Celebrity Game. But mate, that sounds fun. I also read uh, Milos Ranic, who's just made a semi-final at the Australian Open, is going to take to the basketball court on behalf of Team Canada with uh, Eugenie Bouchard as well. So terrific, mate. Look, you will have an absolutely spanky. Weekend. uh, There's a Rising Stars game kicking off soon.
5: It's uh, tipping off at 9 pm Canadian time, so um, that'll be about midday back home, I imagine, or 1 pm, if I'm not mistaken, something like that.
2: And mate, it's a bit like the uh, Super Bowl this all star weekend in that there's a few sort of co curricular parties going on around town. Are you just going to find yourself in any sort of functions that we should know about over the next few days?
5: Well, I was fortunate enough, I was at the uh, Soul Collector, uh, the, uh, the website, the, the sneaker website, I was at their party last night, I happened to be invited to the opening of a new Jordan brand uh, pop-up store oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. over here in Canada as yeah. well, so uh, there's definitely plenty on, you've just got to find your way to it.
2: Uh, and uh, any recognisable names that the uh, Soul Collector do? Just sort of, you know, some some industry
5: guys. There, the rapper Fabulous, was supposed to perform, but he was uh a.
2: I think he's flaked out but he didn't turn up by the time I left. <laughs> that doesn't sound uh, like a rapper. But, uh, no showing on an event. Well, mate, you have the best job in yeah, the world, as difficult. I said, uh, and I remember uh, we uh, we met, for Nick and I, sitting next to each other in the queue at the NBA Finals last year, a couple of Aussies, a long way from home. Oh, of course you did. Does that make you jealous? Yes. Yeah, that was my aim. Yeah. Starting Five Online is your website, Nick. Good to catch up. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. It is not too often... You are joined in studio by a true megastar of Australian entertainment, and we're here to talk about the most special day of her life. Effie is getting married. It's called Effie the Virgin Bride, dominating the comedy theatre at the moment, and she has been kind enough to join us here at Triple M Central. And Effie, you're back on stage. How has the reaction been from your adoring public?
6: Well, if I had to use one word, it would be epic. (laughs) You know, uh, I think a lot of people worried sick about me because I was on the shelf for such a long time, frigid and alone. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, everyone loves a wedding, and I wasn't going to do this as as some sort of small event. It was always going to be larger than life, as am I. And it's been fantastic, you know, a chance for my fans to celebrate along with me. I don't think it's quite what they expected. You know, definitely visually it is a spectacular. The show has been sold as a stage spectacular. But uh, there's a lot of sort of personal stuff there that they get – to witness, but I figured that's fair enough considering how much, you know, I've been a big part of their lives growing up and everything. I've been around for a long time, so to speak.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you that. I don't want to get too personal, Effie, but I mean you are such a desirable woman. I can imagine many men would have tried to romance you before the wedding day. Was it difficult to, I guess, keep a pure for, for this big occasion?
6: Well, Seb, listen, let me tell you something. I've been single for a long time, and when you're single, guys aren't that interested. But when some other guys made a commitment. As soon as I got engaged, you know, they, they, these every man came out of the woodwork, both straight and gay, hitting on me like you wouldn't believe <laughs> literally frothing at the mouth. I'm
2: not surprised. Why wouldn't they? If you could have a dream wedding guest, Effie, I mean, I, I, I'm sure not everybody can make it, but if you were able to pick anybody to come join you for this big event, does anyone stand out? I'm a
6: huge George Michael fan. <laughs>
2: yes. You know, I've got to yes.
6: say, I wasn't surprised when he came out as gay. Really? It was like when Ricky Martin came out as gay. You're going, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think we are, thick? Um, no, I would love George Michael because firstly, you know, he's sort of Greek. He's Cypriot. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of as close as I, you get. You allow that? Well, they call themselves Cypriot Greeks, mm. you know, but we're, we're going to claim him anyway. Okay. A bit like the New Zealanders, like Russell Crowe's and mm. Australian as far as we're mm. concerned. Um, so him, because I would want him to sing, of course, you know, Faith I want him to sing Careless Whispers, all those oh, yeah. classics. Uh, plus, he's a, a fun party boy. You know, you need a bit of that. Um, you know, look, I don't want anyone pulling focus on my big day. It's my day after all. Um, but, you know, I'm well adjusted enough to take on anyone that's up for it. Well,
2: uh, Effie, it is great to join you. And uh, yeah, well, great for you to join us. And I also wanted to uh, say good day to your good friend, Mary Costas, who's, I understand, a part of the tour. Uh, Mary, thanks for joining us. It's good to see you as well. And it uh, must be fun to catch up with Effie again on a live stage sort of scenario.
6: Well, um yeah, no it, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to be back with the show and yes, uh, Effie's never too far away, believe it or not. We we're, we're sort of like uh, Siamese twins, but we sort of slightly looked at it. Well, I
2: wanted to ask you, last week we had Rob Shahady on the show, who's a new program, Here Come the Habibs. He was talking about how he'd copped a bit of resistance for, you know, uh, I guess, uh, creating these Lebanese characters that were familiar to him and were part of his culture and part of his background. And I wanted to, I guess, ask you, if you feel as a comedian, is it more difficult these days, given, you know, some of the sensibilities and, and small issues that seem to blow up on social media?
6: Well, uh, look, it's 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 really weird that how everything's changed because it is still the same. Mm. Let's go back to when we started. Mm. Um, there was no political correctness. We we were part of a show called Wogs Out of Work, which was politically incorrect as a title, uh, unless, of course, you are a wog and out of work, and then it would be truthful. <laughs> so they were a lot more sensitive about responding to it, uh, and they weren't as outraged. By that I mean the critics, the, the media, right. the public yeah. and all of that. It was a novelty. I suppose we're not a novelty anymore. We are now part of the mainstream because mm. of uh, how large the audience is and how diverse it is, and it is everything from – I just see it with my show um, – It is everything from uh, Middle Eastern to Southern European to Anglo, to Asian and to to gay. Any um, marginalised population feels in some way a real connection to the work that we do because they feel like they're allowed to be who they are because Mm. we're we're not making any apologies for who we are.
2: Well, Mary Costas, appreciate your time and to Effie, the Virgin Bride herself. Thank you for joining us and uh, good luck for the shows. We're uh, two tonight, 7pm and 9.30 at the Comedy Theatre and then one tomorrow at 5pm all ages shows. It's getting a bit nasty over there in New Zealand. The Chests are out with the Kiwis. They've won the one-day series. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. But yesterday, we took them down a peg. Just want to take you back, though, to the final game of that one-day series and that ridiculous scenario with Mitch Marsh's wicket. Essentially, he hit the ball. They thought maybe it was a dead ball, but the bowler managed to catch it, really half-hearted appeal, which everybody seemed to move on from until the replay went back up on the big screen, and it showed that in fact the ball was not a dead ball, that it had come close to the foot, and that it was in fact a legal catch for the bowler. Well, as I say, the Kiwis are a little too impressed with themselves at the moment, and this was a sledge from the crowd to Mitch Marsh for yesterday.
7: Just not getting the rub of the green, Mitch Marsh, is he, over
2: here? Yeah, very funny. Well, let's get to the details of the first day of the first test in the series against New Zealand with a man who is over there doing some beautiful work for the ABC. He's also working with some of the radio commentary and ESPN Quick Info as well. Adam Collins is in New Zealand. Good morning, mate. Well, I Steph. How are you, mate? Exceptional. And things are just about to get underway. How does this day begin? I've got look at the track. It's
0: much browner today, which is of nice, Um, Usually at Wellington, it gets considerably easier to bat on day two and day three. So it may very well be the case that if the Australians can get through the first hour of this morning with Ojas and Kalaja at the crease, they might be able to fill their boots this afternoon.
2: And I look forward to uh, watching what does happen. So yesterday, the Kiwis all out for 183 of just 48 overs. Were you impressed by our bowlers? Oh,
0: certainly. It was the pairing of Hazelwood and Siddle which set it up. And not surprisingly, given how well they're suited to these conditions, a bit of life in the track, a bit of grass on top. But that wasn't it alone. They needed to bowl good areas. That was the thing that was one of the major impediments to their England campaign last year. They were presented with quite favourable conditions but weren't able to sort of capitalise. But yesterday they were. Peter Siddle, you know, you go back six months, he was absolutely gone. 192 test wickets, he was stalled there. And you just couldn't see where his next one was coming from. Now he's probably not even, you know, he's an integral member of this, this Test Match 11. He'll be picked routinely until he falls out of form, at the moment you can't see that happening.
2: We've got Smith on 71. we go out for 71. Kawaja not out at 57, but there was a shaky start to our innings as well. Yeah, it's funny. Before the
0: series started, Steve Smith said the one instruction to his batsman was they takes longer to play yourself in in New Zealand than it does at home. You've got to give yourself more of a chance to feel comfortable at the crease. And David Warner slashing at a ball miles from his body, trying to slay it through the covers. Probably ignored his captain's advice there and Joe Burns copped a glove down the league side and strangled himself but you say it was, it was Smith and Kalaja in that final session Smith looked shaky a bit streaky but finally found his gears as he went up through the innings and Collaja was just mesmerizing again he hasn't he hasn't played and missed once for his 57 not out and he's driving at the moment it's just some other planet clearly the informed player in this country if not the world and it's very exciting every time you see Elizabeth Kalaja bat in any form of cricket at the moment.
2: It's fantastic. We're heading to a top of 30 degrees here in marvellous Melbourne, Ed. Uh, what is the Weather Bureau saying there uh, over in New Zealand in regards to how it may affect this Test match over the next few days?
0: No dramas as far as rain's concerned. It's wet and sticky here at the moment, though, in terms of the humidity's concerned. A bit of early cloud cover, so that might provide helpful to the New Zealand bowlers. They really need a breakthrough early. You may have seen last night, Adam Voges was bowled in the last by. Doug no Brace, solid ball, they adjudicated as a no ball, but he was well behind the line. The umpire, Ray Ellingworth, for reasons unbeknownst to anyone at the ground, stuck his arm out. So that's a bit of controversy there, but they'll have to replicate that early to remove Boges. Boges' average 85 in Test cricket. His last Test match against New Zealand was a, was a barren one, but the one before that he made 100 in Perth. And as for Kalaja, he's played two Test matches uh, against New Zealand already this summer and made hundreds in both of them. So um, weather or, or you know, conditions favouring, uh, New
2: Zealand, or otherwise, it's going to be hard graft for the bowlers this morning. Well, mate, let's hope you watch Usman bat all day. Australia resuming at three for one hundred and forty-seven. Adam Collins he's over in New Zealand, writing and broadcasting for the ABC, and you can get him on Twitter at Collins Adam. A sensational cricketing journalist. Thanks for joining us, mate. God, you said. Have a good day. There you go, Adam Collins, over there in Wellington, watching the Aussies take to the crease for another day. Go, Usman, Kawaja, oh, Danny oh, Sweet. Sweet. Green,
6: you, a beat, a you become on. a legend Danny Green
2: Australia and the world
7: health and fitness with Danny
2: Green Children, pen- team Danny Green. get on it it is your one stop shop on the web for all things health and fitness as is this segment on the wireless morning greenie
7: Good morning, Seb. How are you, mate?
2: Mate, exceptional. Now, last week we talked about motivation. I want to take another step this week and talk stretching. It's a bit of a pain in the backside for some people. Is it necessary to stretch before we exercise?
7: <laughs> well, this is a, a subject very close to my heart because <laughs> I hate stretching, Seb. Yes, and, you're not alone. And, yeah, it's it's. I'm not a fan, mate, but I have to do it. And it's so important, and, and I find at my age, the older I get, if I don't stretch, and it's kind of – when, when you said we were going to talk about stretching this week, it was like, oh, hang on, this is perfect, because I literally can't get out of bed without kind of doing a few hamstring stretches, a few um, hip flexor stretches before I roll out of bed. Um, you know, I get up on the bed and actually sit on there and do them, and then get out of bed. And I only do real gentle ones, because you want to start getting your blood flowing a little bit first, kind of walk around a little bit, and then have a stretch. So I only have a very, very light stretch before I actually jump out of bed. And I'm not exaggerating the line when I say this. I actually have to do it because um, my hamstrings are starting to get so tight because of a lower back problem. So all these problems that I have are all attributed to, to, to muscle stiffness and I have to make sure that every day I stretch just to be able to feel okay because I've hammered my body for so long. But in general, if, if a person you know stretches on a daily basis, it might be five, ten minutes, whether it's in the shower when they're warm uh, whether it's after an exercise, whether it's you know while they're at work, whatever it is, if you can just if you can just gradually get some stretches going each and every day you'll find that you feel much more looser.
2: Right, right. So it is a bit of a no stretch, no play scenario. Hey, if you want to ask Greeny a question on all things health and fitness, one triple three five three is our talkback line, or else you can get us on Twitter at SebCostello9. Mate, you mentioned a few of the stretches you're doing there, hamstrings, hip flexors. How long do you think somebody should go for stretching before they actually hit the road and go for a bit of a light jog on a Saturday morning? I'd probably
7: sort first of thing, like yeah, all these there's a lot of experts, so-called experts that recommend one thing, and then other people recommend another thing. I'd probably say like, if you're going to go for a light jog, just a couple of little kind of you know, I'd walk around a little bit just to get the blood in the muscles. You've got to get the blood in the muscles and get some circulation going before you start doing any major stretching um, to begin with. But you know, Before a jog, I'd say, you know, if you're thinking about getting up and going around a tan or whatever it may be in your morning jog or taking a dog fork or going for a ride, any form of exercise, a couple of basic calf stretches, um, you know, Achilles tendon, you want to get them pretty loose to start with. But the key is to not try and only go to, so if your first stretch, only go to where it's just a little bit uncomfortable. Don't go to where it hurts because that means you're going a little bit too far, especially if you haven't warmed up or you haven't got the, the muscles full of blood. So just go you know, ease into it. Do little light stretches. You know you might want to do, you know, hold a stretch for 20 seconds each side and do it again maybe two or three times. And then um, you know just go through your basic uh, your lower body exercises. So your calves, your quads, very important. Do your hamstrings and then your lower back. You can lie on your back and just you know as, as easy as pulling your, your knees. Everyone knows this. one. lying on your back, pulling your knees up to your, knees up to your chest, and that will start um, you know loosening up your, your hamstrings a little bit. Um, and then, and then you're, pretty much, you're right to go, but very, very basic. And then probably after you've done your exercise, that's when you want to do a longer, more in-depth stretch.
2: And we don't just go to anybody when it comes to getting health and fitness advice. Danny Green is our regular. He's on the line, as are a couple of people that want to speak to you, Greeny. Chris from Clyde, have you got a question for the four-time world champ? Yeah, Danny, we're coming up to about 40 now, mate, and we've got this big, big fat beer gut. We'd like to get rid of it, mate. How do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Chris Greeny. Uh, so, what's that said? I was just saying, all yours, mate. How do you get rid of your gut?
7: Oh, well, you're not you're not alone there, champ, so, uh, you know, don't fret. And it's it's kind of, with blokes, the first place that we put on weight is around our gut. You know, I know myself when I've, you know, been out of action for a while or been uh, sucking on too many cold ones and eating too many pizzas, that's where I see the, uh, the weight get put on to start with. So look, it's all about diet, mate, and it's about moderation. So if you, if you love a beer on the Team Danger Program, we actually don't discourage guys to still have a beer if you, if you like doing that because you don't want to be an Olympic athlete. I gather it's just about losing a bit of weight and improving your lifestyle and spending better quality time with your family, your friends and your loved ones. So really, mate, it's about. Nutrition and on the ten program there is, um, you know, the, the the food and the nutrition on there is, is pretty astounding how much food there is that we recommend you guys eat um, and girls. But, uh you know, there's a beer thrown in there as well if you like it. But really, mate, just increase your exercise on a daily basis if you can. doesn't matter whether it's a 5 or 10 or 15-minute work, workout and there's workouts on there that go for 15 minutes or it might be a long walk, a dog's walk in the park go for a kick with a young one, go for a ride, just basic exercises if that's all you can get up to to start with and then make sure that your nutrition and what you put in your body is a little bit better. So, for instance, if you drink a lot of cool drinks during the week, then take that out. Take Coke, take you know, Diet Coke, take Pepsi Max, take all that crap out, just eliminate it and replace it with water. It's very simple to start with. And my God, it's a bit of a drain it's pretty hard to do if you've got a habit of drinking a lot of cool drinks. But once you get in the habit of doing it, mate, in the routine of doing it, you won't even miss it. There you and go, really Chris. There is uh,
2: advice from the four-time world. Sound all right, mate? 15-minute workout you and you can much. still have a beer? Beautiful, mate. Thank you. <laughs> on Chris. Thank you, Chris. One last well. one. Glenn is there at Glen Ferry. What do you got, Glenn? Good morning, Granny. Hey, bud. Good morning, Glenn. How are you, Jack? Good, mate. Same thing, mate. Early 40s. Seem to
4: get on these little... Uh... Get fit quick schemes and pull up sore how uh, important is it for um rest in between like not overdoing it and the second part of the question is when's this weasel my name going to sign up
7: <laughs> right yeah glenn i'll, I'll, I'll get to the uh, to the important one first mate and that's um you know if if, if you're training and you if you kind of oh, i thought training... the
2: important one was about anthony <laughs>
7: Oh look, mate, that's that's something that's something that I, that I can't control, and, and right. uh, no one knows much about what what that bloke does with <laughs> his mouth, so I can't really control that, mate. But what I can do is give you good advice on 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 how to um, you know how to maintain uh, your, your your training program, um, especially if you're putting up sore. So don't forget having a regular bath, you know, two or three times during the week. If you get the time, it's going to make a big difference. But everything's in moderation. and you know, we, we, we've got so many guys on there over the age of 40 that are doing the program that are, that are losing, you know, 10, 15 kilograms on the program in eight weeks. But that's because they've got a lot of weight to lose. But generally, we're getting guys losing 4, 8, 10 kilos. And that's just because they're doing the program, they're sticking to the program because on there it's, it's basic, it's simplistic and it's realistic. But there are exercises in there that may make you sore. So make sure you're stretched, you've got plenty of protein in your diet. But it's very, very simple. Just stick to the program and follow it. And So, Greeny, do you just... need a rest day during the week? Yeah, there's rest days in there. And look, if yep. you're feeling a bit sore and you don't want to do... and you've got I'm too sore, you've got a heavy day at work tomorrow, just go for a walk because walking is an excellent way to get your metabolism kick-started, which starts burning the fat, but it's also a good way to get your body to get rid of the lactic acid and the soreness and stiffness that's in your muscles.
2: Love it, Greenie, And thanks to Glenn and Chris for giving us a ring, mate. We'll do this every week. Looking forward to chatting exercise with you next Saturday.
7: Thanks very much, Sid. Have a great day. and Everyone have a great weekend.
2: You're a legend, mate. TeamDannyGreen.com.au. Get on it for all your exercise programs. And he is all ours on the weekend breakfast, the four-time world boxing champion. We are here thanks to the Builders Academy offering Certificate 4 design courses across Victoria. Call 1300-LEGEND-NOW, which should be the phone number of our next guest. Fox
3: Sports journalist, Nerily Meadows. Good morning. You took the words right out of my mouth, uh, Sam. That's I, the nicest I, thing you've ever said to me. I, and
2: I mean it. 1-300-LEGEND. I reckon that should be your phone number.
3: <laughs> Bring it.
2: <laughs> Builders Academy, <laughs> get on it. Now, have you been watching The Jungle? The I'm a celebrity, get me out of here?
3: I've been certainly catching bits and pieces as a sports reporter. It was hard to miss this week.
2: Warnie really should just have his own reality show is my theory. I mean, you know, (laughs) they've paid a lot of money for him, but he's really the one that keeps it going.
3: I'm not sure we're ready for that, for a (laughs) full-time Warnie reality TV show.
2: Yeah, you'd have to play it after 10. My other theory too (laughs) is that Fev, and I don't mean this to be offensive, but the jungle is the place for Fev.
3: I love Fev. I think he's brilliant. And mm. and the snippets that I've seen, he cracks me up. He really <laughs> does. He's just such a down-to-earth, honest person. Mm. And he gives you his natural reaction. And, and he's just so childlike, which yeah. is, I suppose, what you're talking about. I'm trying about. to say
2: he belongs in the jungle. Now, there was some controversy this week because uh, Shane Warne opened up about being dropped from the Aussie side during the 1999 series against the West Indies. And he certainly isn't happy with Steve War about that decision. One thing that really annoyed me about him was um, when the one test I got dropped in West Indies. We had to win the last test match to win the trophy, and at that stage, you were vice captain. Captain, vice captain, coach used to pick mm. the team, and we went to selection, and I I didn't bowl well. We we lost, but I felt like I was being the scapegoat because I didn't bowl well. It was my fault. Mm. Anyway, we got to the selection table, and uh, I said, okay, what's what's everyone's thoughts? Steve, so I said, no, nah, I'm the captain of this side. I'm the captain. You're not playing. So I was really disappointed. After ten years, I just had a shot. Up. And I thought the situation going where we have to win the Test match would have brought the best out of me too. He went on to say that Steve Waugh was the most selfish cricketer he played with. Shane Warne, what do you make of that, Nez?
3: I think it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah, we want reality TV and as a journalist, we want people to come out and, and say what they feel and I always like interviewing Warnie because he does. He gives you something and he and he says the truth or how he sees it. But I think in this occasion, most people have come out and defended Steve Orr in this situation, people that he's played with. I've had dealings with Steve Waugh as a journalist and he's always been really lovely. He's a straight-down-the-line bloke but he's, he's a really nice guy to deal with. With. I just thought it was a bit disrespectful. I, I think that it wasn't. Yes, that's a big deal, but why is? And yes, Shane Warne is a great player, but why is he immune to being dropped if the selectors slash captain see fit? I don't understand that as as logic. Everyone can be dropped at, at any point if they're just not doing the job that sees you know that they should be doing.
2: I think it was disrespectful to Warne and all <laughs> that he has given this country. You're saying nobody is above getting dropped. Surely if you are the greatest bowler that this country has ever produced, then maybe your captain backs you in to play a deciding test for Australia.
3: So you're going with the king over country. That's how you see it. You think Shane Warne is more important than Australia.
2: No, well, I think Shane Warne won a lot of tests for Australia, and he may well have won that one for Australia.
3: He was coming off a shoulder surgery. It, it just seems illogical to me to say he was at his finest, and he can never be dropped, and this is, you know, he's above everyone, and he is Shane king, he Warne is,
2: God. is Australia.
3: Try that emphasise
2: one triple three five three. What did you make of this? Are you on Team Warney, like I am, or are you behind Team Tugger? Which Nez is all about.
3: I just love the fact that you're saying that him that Warn calling War selfish mm. is okay. Yet you're saying that Warren is bigger than Australia. Yeah. So that in itself, by definition, is selfish.
2: Warney is Australia, is what I said. Let's go to Keith <laughs> at Geelong. Keith, who's in the right here, Warney or Tugger? Oh, the guy, I think, uh, without a doubt, uh, Steve War. Oh, Keithy, why? Oh boy, Keith. Well, you know, Steve War was the captain. He probably could have put it across
0: better. But at the end of the day, he had to make a decision for Australia to win the test match, Warren coming off an injury, and they won the test match.
2: Yes, it's hard to argue with the proof is in the pudding (laughs) argument. But have you considered <laughs> Warning is Australia, Keith Steve Waugh spoke to Ed McIndass A couple of years ago about this Here's how he explained the situation
3: Obviously as a captain That was a tough one to make um, <laughs> <laughs> And there was only three of us selectors so I was captain Shane was vice-captain and Jeff March was the coach And So was we he
0: were, in that selection meeting? Oh well, yeah, was he yeah, 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 well, well, it was there Well, there
3: was only wow. three of us doing it And uh, we were 2-1 down in the series It was my first series as captain Going to the last test in Antigua Colin Miller was an off-spinner So the Windies had seven left-handers In the team and... Uh, um Warney was coming back from shoulder surgery, so he wasn't at his best, and I just thought I was in my way protecting him from not not bowling well in the last test match, but he saw it a bit differently.
2: There you go. Clearly you I Saw think, it
3: just a tad differently.
2: But clearly you think Colin Miller is a better bowler than Shane Warne. Uh, moving on to Billy at Jakarta. Team War or Team Warne, Billy? Warning. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, it's Bobby from
3: Jakarta? but that's all right.
0: I'll let that slip. Oh, is just, it? Just, quiet, yeah, just quietly... Um, these modern-day sportsmen, uh, these Muppets, are what like cardboard cutouts. You know, you shove a microphone in front of their face, and all they do, the, the certain lines, oh, I've got to stick to our structure, we respect our opposition. It drives me Ken Bruce, mate. You know, Warnie's come out, and he's finally put his heart on his sleeve, tell it how it is, and, and every journalist and, um, and his dog jumps jumps down his throat. It's I love it, you Bobby. I- oh, of course you love it, mate. It's because it's the truth. It's, it's the way <laughs> it <mate, laughs>
2: We should just give it away, Bobby. You can take the program from here. I like it. The world according to Bobby. Let's go to Robin. Robin, Team War or Team Warn?
5: Oh, Warny for sure.
2: There we go. Yeah, <laughs>
5: like
4: like Warny's being honest, and and Merrily is it? Merrily said she likes people being honest, and the minute Warny's honest, she's against it.
2: Well. Nes, what do you think?
3: I like him being honest, but yep. I'm still allowed to disagree with his opinion. No,
2: well, you just think Colin Funky Miller was the greatest spinner Australia <laughs> ever produced, and you don't like. Well, come on, let's one last one. We got Linda at Hillside. I
4: Hi, absolutely no way, Steve War, no way. He, <laughs> he did. He did that to make himself look good. Everybody knows that Warney is the best. He's a hero and he adds personality to the cricket. Uh, do, we haven't Linda. had personality like that for years. Linda,
2: do it. come and join me. Warning! Warnie, <laughs> Warnie. <laughs> I love it Good on you Linda
3: That was very entertaining uh, I
2: Me and Linda should do a little duet I think Just in tribute uh, to Shane Moore. Yeah
3: just let me leave the room before you start it <laughs> That's it It is interesting the whole honesty concept yeah. though We uh, I was speaking to Justin Kaczynski former Saints yeah. player uh, a couple of days ago and he wants to introduce honesty round to the AFL <laughs> just people coming out going Melbourne are crap we're going to beat them by 10 goals and we're going to rest a few blokes. And Just my... have honesty round, <laughs> and I it's... love it as a concept.
2: And my coach is a tosser. Uh, honesty <laughs> round. I think we should bring that to the AFL. That's I think a very brilliant. Good on your Coz. He's, he's an ideas man, that because He is. Are you all going to soccer tonight, maybe?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a big derby. Mm. So, it, look, it's it's huge for the A-League. They are on equal points at the moment, so it's only goal difference. It's going to be attacking. It's going to be great. And we were speaking to Kevin Musket on Fox Sports News 500 earlier this week, and, geez, he's got a strong message for the fans to, to leave the flares at home, essentially. Just, He says, stop the criminal behaviour, you're mindless people, you need to stop and and we need to showcase the game the way that we love it and the way that it should be and this is the perfect opportunity to do that, a sold out Amy Parkin in a crucial derby.
2: I reckon we should take any supporter who thinks of bringing a flair to a soccer match and just drop them in the jungle. But a little, <laughs> little further south of I'm a Celebrity Get You Out of Here where there's a couple of lions just roaming the uh, Serengeti. <laughs> I'd watch that. Sure. I'm a soccer fan. Get me out of Australia. narrowly Meadows, thanks to Fox Sports. Always a pleasure to speak to you.
3: Seb, can I just say you mm-hmm. are the most selfish bloke I've ever
2: worked with. <laughs> no, I'll leave that one alone. You might be right.
1: Triple M's weekend breakfast with Seb Costello. The Builders Academy. Offering certificate for design courses across Victoria. Call 1300-LEGEND-NOW. RTO code 21583.